Also, you, you, oh God, are here to minister to people. And we are dependent upon your touch, Lord Jesus.
And I pray right now you touch this place with your spirit, your presence, oh God, move among the people, oh God, that you would be glorified.
Shout hallelujah today. Chevy, we're going to be dealing with the valley of decision is our title today. The valley of decision. I've been so busy running, I haven't given them my um, notes. And we're going to be coming from Joel chapter 3, verse 14, New King James Version. This is the version we'll be using this morning. Well, it's so good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to see everybody here. How many of you are ready for Christmas? Everybody already got everything bought and all of that stuff. In the hustle and bustle, we say it every year. Don't forget who the season is really about. It's about Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Easter Bunny overtook Easter and then Santa took over Christmas. Jesus help us. Well and good, just don't forget Jesus in the process. How does that sound? If you ask your kids what Christmas is about and all they can come up with is they get gifts, something's wrong. If they don't know about the greatest gift that was ever given to them. Thank God I'm not preaching on that. That'd be a dead sermon. <laughs> valley, the valley of decision. Joel chapter 3 verse 14 is where I want to go this morning. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. 
And I'm going to say it again. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Do you know today that according to science, it has been said that today you are going to make at least 3,500 decisions. Don't get stressed out. Today, you are going to make at least 3,500 Think about it. You got up this morning, some of you, because you wait the Sunday morning to do it, and you said, what am I wearing today? That was a decision. What kind of pants am I going to wear? What kind of socks will I wear? What kind of shoes, out of all the shoes that I have, am I going to wear? Am I going to have this coffee or that coffee for all you coffee drinkers? Do I need to drink one and have a laid-back sermon? Or do we really want to rev it up with two? I went with two, by the way. <laughs> Thought about three, but I said I better not do that. You make decisions from the time that you get up till the time that you go to bed. It's really a thought when we think about all the decisions that we have to make. And there was this article uh, that, that I came across a while back, and as you're scanning it, this is what jumps out. It says, if God is God, then follow Him. That's pretty simple. If God is God, then just follow Him. Because if He is God, and if He knows all things, and if He is perfect in all of His ways, then I can follow Him and trust that everything is going to be all right. I thought about Elijah whenever he's on Mount Carmel and he looks at the people and he says, why are you haltering between two decisions? You're wavering. You want to do this, you want to do that, and you can't make a decision. And he said, if God be God, then why don't you just worship him? I thought about Moses, draws a line in the sands and says, whoever's on the Lord's side among us, I'm tired of y'all following the enemy. Just come on my side to show that you've made a decision that you're coming over here. It is Joshua, the Amalekites, and all these pagan nations are coming, and God's people are starting to follow them. And Joshua looks at them, and he says it this way. He says, listen to me. You've got to decide whether you're going to follow the God of the Amalekites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we have made a decision that we are going to just serve the Lord. There's decisions that have to be made. And as I begin to think about that, if God is God, then follow Him. It began to speak to my heart and I began to wrestle with it. And the Lord begins to speak to me about decisions that I have to make. And not only me, but, but decisions that you have to make. And as I read my text today, the thing that God points out to us is that you are not the only one that has to make a decision. There are multitudes upon multitudes in here today that have to make decisions. There are some of you that whether you have decisions now that are on your mind, maybe this coming week, something is going to happen in your life. You're going to have to make a decision as to what you're going to do. I'm talking to you today. Maybe at the first of the year, you're thinking, well, we're just going to put it off. We're going to wait. But by the first of the year, you're saying to yourself, I've got to make a decision. I am talking to you today. Because tough decisions in life are going to happen. And he said, multitudes are in this place. When we look at the valley of decision, it can be a confusing place. It can be a place that we're caught between a yes sir and a no sir with God. We're trying to figure out, do you know whenever you have to make decisions, if you're not careful, you can get this thing that they call an ulcer. 
Do you know that you can get an ulcer literally from worrying? You can worry so much until your body stresses to such a point that you literally can develop ulcers in your stomach that bring pain to you all because of your indecisiveness and worry about things. There's those questions that some people just can't seem to make a decision. We're driving down the road, me and my wife do it all the time, and the kids. And they say the words, where are we eating at? To which I respond, I don't care. Nobody in the car knows what they want to eat. It is a life crisis in that moment. Somebody has got to make a decision. See, the issue with me is if you want to eat Chinese, I love Chinese. If you want Japanese, I'm good with the Japanese people as well. If you want an old American greasy burger, I guess I can do it too. The point is, if you want to try the new Thai restaurant down the road, I'm in. Pizza buffet, you better believe it. They even named a pizza after me, and I go order one at lunch all the time. I love to eat. I don't care where we eat at, but we have these decisions that we hit, and nobody can see them. They just vacillate all the time. That means we waver with them. What should I do? Should I do this? Should I do that? Can I tell you today that if you do that, you are going to miss out on a blessing if you sit there and waver and don't make the decision. It is in James 1.8. This is what he told us about our indecisiveness. He said that a double-minded man is what unstable in all of his ways if you stay in the valley of decision too long you begin to be an unstable person or unstable individual you cannot live in the valley of decision you have to come to a place that you just say this is what God is saying to do because the one thing that we learn about God is that God is not the author of confusion God never has been the author of confusion if confusion is in your life it is not because God brought it into your life it is the enemy that is working against you in order to bring that confusion into your life God is not the author of it so we understand today that at some point we have to make that decision and sometimes it seems easier if we would just avoid the decision and if we would just avoid the trouble altogether let's just forget about that bury our head in the sand that it will work out itself mentality but understand with me today that problems don't just always work themselves out Sometimes we have to step up to the plate and do something about it. Can you say amen? And there's a consequence for not making decisions lurking around every part of our life. The thing about decisions is this. Absent from your participation, if you refuse to make a decision, guess what? Who's going to make the decision for you? Life will make the decision for you. In other words, life is going to go on. The clock is going to keep on ticking. Things are going to keep on happening. And let me tell you what life will do. It will leave you behind. But I'm not missing out on a blessing that God laid in my lap. 
I'm going to act and I'm going to respond and I'm going to allow God to do something special in me. I'm not going to be the guy that waited around and wavered in making up my mind when God was saying just do it and I decided not to. Just because I ignore the problem or I procrastinate or put the problem off and making the decision does not mean that the decision won't be made. They are going to be made in your life one way or the other. Now I want to bless you today and I want to keep it simple and I want to give you five Five simple reasons why we don't make the right decisions from time to time. The first one is we don't, air quotes, feel like it. So most of the time, down deep, we know what we need to do. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? There is this innate sense in us, this inbred sense in us, that the Holy Spirit says, that's what you're supposed to do. Has anybody ever had that moment? Have you ever had that moment where you had a decision to make and you knew from the start exactly what you should have done? You didn't have to pray about it. You didn't have to think about it. There's an innate sense in you that rises up and says, this is what you are to do. No questions asked. I have had those moments that God has showed up and I knew in those times exactly what I should do. The sad part is I haven't always listened. It's kind of like exercising. I'm preaching to y'all now. You know you need to do it, don't you? You know your heart doctor told you a minimum of two miles walking a day. You know that. Every now and then we'll say, I'm going to do it first thing in the morning. I'm starting this thing in the morning, bless God. And then the morning comes and the alarm clock goes off. And, and you'll say, let's just do it tomorrow or the next morrow. You know what I figured out the best day is to start exercise? On a Monday. I don't care if it's Tuesday. I do it all the time. I tell my wife, I say, boy, I got to start working out a little more. I'm going to start it Monday. Well, it's Tuesday. Why can't you start it tonight? Why can't you start it tomorrow? Because I just can't seem to make that decision to do so. It just don't feel quite right. And sometimes we put off decisions in our life because we are waiting for everything to be just right. But oftentimes in your life, you're not going to get a perfect situation. Sometimes you've got to go outside of your comfort, which I'm going to talk about in just a minute. And you've got to trust God with some things. You may not always feel like it, but you've got to make the decision anyhow. Another reason I don't make decisions or you don't is because we are unsure of the outcome of the decision that we are going to make. In other words, if I make it, I don't know what's going to happen. So we have this, again, innate, inbred, in us, the sense that says to us, I want to know everything before I make any decisions. If I could know, I want to tell you something, folks. If we had that much brain, every one of us in this house would be billionaires. Because we would know exactly when to play the market and when to get out. But guess what? Nobody knows how to do that. Unless they're doing insider trading. Of course, we know that's illegal because they're getting news and information and PR that says we're going to release something Monday and they tell them on Thursday and they buy up the stock knowing it's going to go up on Monday. That's wrong. The point is... 
That's why when you go to businesses, they can't even like Congress. They, they know information that we're not privy to. And a lot of times if they're talking about it, they can't even buy that stock. Because they know there's things that are going to happen or else they'll get in trouble. Can't even put it in their 401k. They've got to do it years before and keep it in there. Because they can't have insider's information. Because they know the outcome and what it's going to be. See, you've got to understand, this is the way life is. You are not always going to know the outcome. We think to ourselves, if God would just show me how this thing is going to end I would make a decision if God would show me if I would have faith and if I would just get it done and just do it and take a risk then I would try it but that is not the way God works he's not going to tell you all of it 90% of the time he won't show you everything he's going to do it takes a little bit of faith that is why God said the just shall live by what? By faith. Understand with me. When God came to Jonah and he said to him, Jonah, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach destruction. Right? God, I really don't want to do that. I don't know how that's going to end. That may not go too well for me. He takes off for Tarshish. You know the story. He ends up in the whale's belly. You know the whole story. He vomits him out, spits him out. He runs the Nineveh. He finally gets there and obeys the voice of the Lord. He preaches to the people 40 days. And Nineveh's going to be no more. You're dying. Your cattle's dying. Your children are dying. Everything y'all have known, it's gone, baby. The wrath of God is upon you for your sins. Do you think if Jonah would have known the end... That he would have wanted to go to Nineveh? He didn't want to go to begin with. What kind, I mean I hate to say it this way, but how dumb does he look? <laughs> to go and preach to people, you are dying for your sins, you wicked ones. I mean, he's got a hellfire and brimstone message. He ain't holding back nothing. He heard from God. He knows fire's falling. He is ready to tell them the truth. And he's preaching it. But one night... They start praying and fasting. And God says, Jonah, uh, we're going to change the message. We're tweaking it a little bit. They've been fasting and praying. Even the king has come off his throne. The animals are fasting. They won't even feed the cows. Fido's hungry. The kitty cat's meowing. I mean, they're not giving them any food. I can't turn away from that. I've got to forgive them. I, they've repented. I, I saw their contrite heart. I forgive them. The outcome was different than what Jonah had planned for. Do you think Jonah would have went and looked like a dummy if he had known God was going to do that? Of course not. None of us would have wanted to do it. At the end of the day, if God shows me everything that... It, see, I want you to understand something about me. I don't like a painful journey. There are some situations that I found myself in that if God would have told me how it was going to end, I hate to say it, but my flesh would have prevailed and I would have said, I'm not doing that. I refuse that pain. I refuse that suffering. I am not going to deal with that. I don't have to deal with that. That is why sometimes God hides the whole truth from us. And that is why sometimes we don't make decisions because we are unsure of what God is going to do. But the just shall walk by what? By faith. You don't always know the outcome, but you've got to trust God to take care of it for you. Thirdly, the pressure of the present. Right now, the pressure that we feel. 
We have all learned from past experiences that short-term solutions can lead to long-term problems. We go from wise and prudent to stalling and indecision. But there is also some wisdom in thinking things through. Even when you feel the pressure of the present on you. You cannot uproot yourself over little situations that are temporary. You have to understand that you cannot make temporary problems long-term situations that you have to deal with later. I'm going to say it again. You cannot make temporary problems long-term situations. Understand with me, we said a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Whenever we look at that text, I thought about the promised land. And I thought about the spies that went there. And we've got ten that says, wait a minute. We can't do it. But we want the promised land. You can't have your cake and eat it too. So they have to make a decision. Either we're going to go and we're going to fight. But see, this is what the problem is. There is a temporary problem in the way. And the temporary problem, you know what it was. It was giants. Giants are in the way. And the reason that they would not fight them, the ten spies said, we cannot overcome them. For in this land there are giants. And I've got Caleb and Joshua over here that are making a decision for the whole congregation. They're like, hey, let's go up at once. We can win this battle. And I've got 10 guys are saying, but there's giants, but there's giants. It's an 80-20 vote. The majority, Robert's rule of order prevails even way back then. The majority wins. They don't do it. But a short, see, this is a temporary problem. Because what Joshua and Caleb knew, that if they would make the decision, God has given us this promised land. God has said it is ours. It is our children's. All we've got to do is go into this land. God will take care of the giants for us. See, there's times you've got to understand that. There's things that are going to be in your way when you make a decision. But guess what? You just keep on fighting and you just keep on believing because God is going to take care of the giants for you. So a temporary problem becomes a long-term situation. They could have went in and they said, we can do it in a couple of days. We already got a strategy. We got a plan and we've got God. A couple of days we'll defeat them giants and we're heading into the land of milk and honey. Thank you, Holy Ghost. But what happens? It becomes a long-term situation because of their doubt and indecisiveness. Just to make a decision and trust God with the outcome. Because of the pressure of the present and the pressure of the people, all of a sudden they said, All right, we're not doing it. For 40 years, they wandered around in the wilderness. 40 years, and all it would have took is a few days to overcome the giant. See, I need somebody to understand today. If you find yourself in a place that is hard, a rock and a hard place, I want you to know that you are going to get through it. I need you to know today. That if you were to look back on your past and you were to think of where you've come from. Because we have all found ourselves in situations that we thought to ourselves, I'm not going to make it through this. We have found ourselves in the middle, middle of a bitter divorce or, or a bad relationship. Or a bad church situation. Or a bad job situation. We have found ourselves somewhere in the middle of a bad, bitter place. But you made it through that 
So God says to you again, you're going to make it through this too. You cannot allow the pressure of the present to make you make sometimes. And see, this is the thing. There's a balance. Because sometimes the pressure of the present will cause us to make hasty decisions. And God sometimes does want us to wait a little while. But with that being said, you go and you pray and you get canceled from, from pastors and friends and people that you know pray and know love the Lord. You seek God and then you make a decision. I want to give you the fourth one. So I got the pressure of the present. I got the pressure from the crowd. I go every single week to an elementary school. I'm not going to say the name of it. I'm sure you can figure it out for yourself. But I go to an elementary school, and it is amazing how mean kids are these days. Oh, y'all kids are sweet back there. I see y'all smiling. You sweethearts, you're great children. I go in there and I listen to some of the way they talk to one another and how rude they are. And I got this one kid out there. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? He just runs around and tries to fight everybody. Literally. He just runs around, grabs them, tries to throw them down. I was out there on the playground one day. I looked at one of those kids. I said, would you just run and tackle him? He grinned and said, yes, sir, I will. He took, I mean, I was just joking. I'm telling you, he football tackled that boy, threw him to the ground and got up and grinned at me. I was sick of his bullying. And we think that peer pressure, it's kids, right? It's because kids, they, they, they peer pressure one another. And they're like, oh, you got to try this new drug or you got to try this new thing. And that's the way we think of peer pressure. But see, I want you to know, adults, we got some adult bullies too. We got some adults that think they know everything. And they don't hardly know anything. You know those people that their life is an absolute wreck and a disaster. But when you need advice, whoo, honey. They know it all. And you're looking at them thinking, no, you do not. Just look at your peer pressure has been a part of the human experience ever since there's been a group of people. Because we are the peer pressure. We are the problem. And you never make decisions based solely on what everyone else is doing. You don't make decisions off of what everybody else is saying. I'm going to tell you, you can really see a man or woman of faith when, if, when the odds are against them and there is a pile of pressure on them to do one thing because that's what the crowd says to do. You can tell a real man or woman of integrity when they stand their ground and say, I am going to go off of the basis of my own faith. I am going to base this decision off of what I feel that God would have me to do. I don't care what everybody else says. I don't care what everybody else is doing. God gave you a brain. At least we hope so, right? He gave you a brain. He gave you the Holy Spirit. And He has given you access to His throne. Think about that. You have access to His throne. 
So any need that you have, any need that arises, you go directly to the source, to Jesus Christ. You plus God is always the majority. I don't care what situation you find yourself in. His thoughts are always going to be higher than your thoughts. His ways are always going to be higher than your ways. You just do what is right, not in your eyes, not in the peer pressure of other people's eyes, but you do what is right in His eyes, and that will always, always be the right decision. I'm going to leave you with this one. Fifthly, we don't make decisions, right decisions, because of comfortable patterns of life. A.K.A. it is called our comfort zone. This is a big one, folks. This is huge. This is huge. Because many people will miss God's will because it's just easier to do it the way they've always done it. Or it is easier for them to do what they've always done. And as much as we want to say, you know, I think I'm an agent of change. I feel like I'm a visionary. I feel like I'm an agent of change. But regardless of how much we say we like change, they something in us that just don't like change. I'm going to tell you, we got an office remodel going on down here. It's looking good. They're working on it. I don't like change. I like remodel. I just don't like changing my office to the back and kids area. Somebody like, that's not a big deal, but to me it is. I like my office and I want my chair. I want that white table back there. I try to write on that thing and it just messes my words all up with a pen. I'm having to use something to press. Don't y'all feel bad for me? Quit laughing at me. I don't like the change. I'm glad for the change that's going on there. But in my own personal comfort, I'm outside of my comfort zone and I don't like it. You would have to admit with me. That there are some things that have happened in your life that you didn't jump out there and go for it because it was outside of your comfort zone. The opportunity presented itself. It was there. All you had to do was take it. It was like God dropping it in your lap, but you would not do it. See, it takes courage. It takes courage to take a new job offer. That's courage. Especially when you say, man, I've been working with these folks in the office for the last 10 years. I don't care, Brian, if it is literally, if your office is in this end and they move you right here to this end in the same building. But a different group of people. You are outside of your comfort zone. It's a different job. Everything. Just because they've moved you same building, it doesn't matter. It takes courage to say, yes, I'm going to take that new job offer. It takes courage to accept a promotion. For those that struggle and used to go to the club and the bar and used to hang out with the guys. It takes courage to sit at home when you know your old buddies are at the club. All of these things take courage. Because whatever used to be our comfort zone, we've got to step away from that. Understand with me. I have had people come to me. I'm telling you, multiple people that have come to me and said, Pastor Jimmy, please just pray for me. And I'm like, why? They're like, 
I got offered a job promotion. Pray for me. If it's God's will for me to take it. And I'm sitting there saying, why are you asking me to pray about this? Don't everybody shout at once, you'll ruin my message. (laughs) And they say to me, it is too much work. It is too much responsibility, pastor. It's just a lot. You know, well, of course. If they're paying you more money, you got to do more stuff. Duh. And there's something in those moments. You know, God's given me some, some moments in my life. I've, I've lost loved ones, you know, parents, different things. And so I, I've been through crisis situations that allow me to relate. That's why we go through trials, folks. It's not just because God hates you or don't like you. It is because God wants you to be able to relate with somebody else down the road that you can pour into and help. That is the reason you go through trials. It is to help other people. And to make you stronger. And when you come through it, you bless them. And I tried. There's a lot of things that I've been through. I've had people talk about me. So if you want to come and talk to me about people stabbing you in the back, honey, I got you. I know what you're talking about. All right? So I try to relate to people. But there's some things in those moments that I just can't relate. Because if you know that God opened the door. And if you know that God blessed you with it, it is time to make the decision. Why can't I relate? Because in the meantime, you were praying for more money. You were praying for more blessing. You were praying, God, we got to have a little more. Times are getting tough. And God said, here it is, baby. And when God gave it to you, you allowed fear to step inside and you're afraid because of your comfort zone. I can't relate with you. Because if you prayed for it and God sent it and it's there, you ought to throw your hands up right now and say, thank you, Jesus. Another prayer has been answered. Thank you, God. See, the problem isn't added responsibility. That's not the problem. The problem is leaving the comfort of your present situation. The same situation that you have complained to God about for months. That'll preach right there. And then God finally sends your miracle, your blessing, break out and break through that limited thinking. Can I tell somebody, you only live once in this life. That is all that you are not a cat. You do not have nine lives. You can always go back down. But if you miss the opportunity to go up, it may never come again. You better jump on that train and give God glory for taking you there. Thomas Edison says that he failed thousands. Some say as many as 10,000 times before he was successful at making a light bulb. But thank God Thomas Edison went through the failure and said, I'm going to get outside my comfort zone. I'm an open shame. People are talking about him. This guy's crazy. He thinks he can invent a light bulb. What's wrong with this quack? Lord, if Tommy's up there. Thank you. Thank you for the lights that blind me every Sunday. I praise you. Thomason, 
Thomas Edison had to go through the failure. We've got to get out of this. The secret is to fail forward. At least fail trying. The bigger failure is the person that never even tries. Sometimes to get to where God is sending you, you have to be this word called stretched. And when you're stretched, you've got to break out of comfortable patterns. I meant to get a rubber band. I don't have one. That was a good sermon illustration. I forgot it. A rubber band is no good unless you take it and you begin to stretch that rubber band. Is somebody with me? If you're trying to wrap something up and the rubber band's this big around and what you're wrapping's this big and you're thinking, huh, rubber band's too small. No, it's not. It just needs stretched because it will stretch and it will make that circumference of whatever you're needing to wrap up or tie up or keep in place. You can use that rubber, rubber band, but it has to be stretched and it is useless. And it is under the most stress when it is stretched. So it is with us and our faith and life and our comfort zone. Until we start getting stretched, we just live in a little comfortable place. So yes, it is under our stress and pressure and stretching that we may be a little uncomfortable. And do you know that when you stretch that rubber band, it has the greatest possibility of, guess what? Of breaking. But thank God that I serve Jesus. And he said, I will never put more on you than you are able to bear. That is why God's children and Job and all the saints that ever struggled can be stretched, 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 stretched. And you're thinking they're going to break, they're going to break. And God's in there saying, oh, they got a little bit more in them. And he pulls us a little more. And then finally when it's enough, he said, that's it. That's it. And he puts us back in place. He will not allow you to break from the pressure of life if you put your faith in Him. See, understand with me. If you lay that rubber band down and you never use it, do you know what happens to it? It's a thing called dry rot. And when you pick it up to do its job, all it's going to do is pop. It's not going to stretch. It has lived in a comfortable place. And then when it tries to stretch, it simply breaks. It is our comfort zone. Some of you need to be stretched. You need to be like Jabez. I need to preach that sermon again because some of you, a lot of you sitting in this building today weren't here when I preached it. But when Jabez prayed, this is what he prayed to God. He said, Lord, enlarge my territory. Give me more. I want to be blessed. I want my children to be blessed. You've got to trust God through the process don't get comfortable and lay there and just die and dry rot and never do anything for God you got to take a risk you got to stretch out because God is ready to bless you God is ready to enlarge you God is ready to give you more if you're willing to make a decision based on faith that God's going to have your back Amen. I got to close with this Sandra come on to the pen I am closing today I mean so if God, in my final thoughts, is leading you, if God is opening the door for you, don't allow fear to back you up and make you stay in your comfortable place. Because the moment you make the decision, God's power is going to come upon you. God's grace is going to wrap His arms around you.
And I don't care what the job is, what the task is, what the assignment is. If you're willing to make the decision on faith to say, yes, God, I'll do it. We're going to do it, honey. I'm telling you what's going to happen. God's going to back you up. And everything you do, listen to me. I, I believe the Lord will want me to tell you today. It's time to make some decisions. See, there's something you look. Can I, can I tell y'all something? I started pastoring when I was 21 years old. I started off in a church. I think our first Sunday, we had about eight, maybe ten people. Ten people in a church. I was in the big leagues. Y'all can laugh. Ten people. And I'm pastoring. 21 years old. That church was hell on earth. Let me just say it the way it is. And if they're listening today, I really don't care because I don't even, I'd tell them to their face. I mean it. I'm flat-footed behind this pulpit right now. I tell them. It was hell on earth. It was horrible. I went to that place, but then God gave me more. And I was faithful with the little. And I did my part with the little. And God said, I'm going to give you more. And then I did my part with that. And God said, I'm going to give you more. That's the way God works, folks. Listen. When you step into a position... You're not ready for it. You're not. When you get a promotion, you're not ready for it. You, this is good, boy. Y'all ought to write this down and use it this week when the devil comes and talks to you in your ear. You grow in two positions. With the power and the grace and faith getting out of your comfort zone you grow into the position. It is not because of you. It is because of the power of Christ. See, if God is God, then follow Him. And what He told you, see, see, this is what's going to happen. He will back you up publicly with what He told you privately. That's good. Solomon, what do you want? Last night I had a vision, and the Lord came to me, and he said, Solomon, if you could have anything, what would you want? And Solomon says, Lord, if I can have anything, I'm not, I'm not cut out for this job. My father was a king. I've been li living in his shadow. I'm not worthy of this promotion. Lord, I don't have the wisdom to lead this great people. I can't do it. If you would just give me wisdom. God came upon that man it's very unorthodox it seems crazy he said give me the sword 
guards like, what? Give me the sword. Put the baby down. I'm about to cut this thing in half and I'm going to give one to you and give it to the other. That is crazy. But not really. Publicly, God was showing that this was the wisest man that had ever lived. Whoa! The real mama said, no, 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 no. She can have it. He picks up the baby and says, here goes your baby. Isn't that powerful? Don't worry about publicly what's going to happen. Don't worry that you're going to get up there and you're going to fall on your face. You just trust God. You make the decision. You do what God is telling you and say, if God is God, all I know to do is to follow Him. And then when you get out publicly, God is going to be there and He's going to show. He met with you privately. He gave you the gift. He gave you the anointing. It's not yours, it's His. God's grace comes upon us. I'll leave you with this. It is not because you are so capable. It is because He will teach you and lead you. His hand of favor will come upon your life to do the work. He will bridge the gap, which is our little motto there, bridging the gap. He will bridge the gap between your abilities and the assignments that have been given to you. It is God that does the fill-in. It is His power. We make decisions. We trust Him with confidence. We trust in His power to lead us, direct us, and to give us great success. But here's the deal. Even with making the right decisions, there will be peaks and there will be valleys. There will be high times. There will be low times. The problem with people that make decisions and they question and second guess what they did. The reason that they do that is because they go through a valley. They go through a low spot. They try something and they think it's failing and they think it's going under. But sometimes God leads us to bankruptcy before he leads us to prosperity. So don't even go there. God still has his hand on your life. But oftentimes we think just because the lows, well, God's not in it. You've got to keep. I want to tell you something. There's a verse in the scripture that said, but God is faithful. This faithful God is with you. Sometimes when you're in the valley of decision, that's all you need to know is that God is with you. I go to funerals all the time. I'm closing. I go to funerals all the time. And, and they give us a paper. It's called the remembrance paper. Y'all have seen it. They, they flip it over. I meant to ask my best friend what they call it. But it's the little memorial paper. And on the front they got their, you know, their, their picture. And you flip it open. Jimmy Purdue was born. Patrick, South Carolina. They had about 200 people. Small town. Blah, 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 blah. This side, they have an order of the service, right? Preacher, preacher, preacher. There's about, when I go in, there's like 10 preachers. I'm like, God, please help me. Anyhow, on the back... I'm telling you, I dare say, I'm going with 80% of the time. Psalm 23. I would say Psalm 23 is the most popular psalm. I would go a step further and say that Psalm 23 is the most popular um, chapter in all the Bible. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He, lives. he restores my soul. He leads me. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Verse 4, this is it. 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of what? Of death. I will fear no evil. Are you ready? For thou art with me. Even in death, God said, I want you to know, I am with you. And today, to everybody that finds himself in the valley of decision, that's the last thing I want to tell you before you grab a mic and maybe sing a chorus or two. God said he is with you even in the valley of decision. Don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed. Don't get stressed out wondering what's going to happen, what's not going to happen. Make the decision in Jesus' name and do it. Quit waiting. Quit doubting. Quit worrying about your comfort. Because if you'll step out, I'm telling you on the word of God, God is going to bless you. He said, everything that you touch will be blessed. Abraham, get your tent down, son. Pack up every wife you have. That's right. I'm not preaching on that right now. Too much. Too deep. Get every child you've got. Get all the sheep, all your wealth, everything. Go. Where am I going, Lord? (laughs) Just go. All right, get the tents, we're going. And here we go. That's faith. But what did God say to him when he made the decision? He gets to walking, and God said, Abraham, I forgot to tell you. But tonight it's going to be starry. I want you to walk outside your little tent wherever you're set up at. And I want you to look up to the sky. And I want you to see the beautiful night. And I want you to look at every star. They all have a name. But I want you to know that as many as the stars are, so are your children. And your children's children. And their children's children. Abraham, while you're walking, I just want you to know, look down at the sand of the seashore. That's your descendants. Everywhere. Oh God, I feel this. Everywhere your feet go. Abraham, that's your territory. Woo-wee. Let's stand. I'm in preacher mode today. I feel it. Oh, I feel like I could go for about 25 more minutes, but I'm not. I might have to explain the wives to y'all, and I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready for that. You got to make a decision today. You got to quit stalling. You got to quit waiting around. You got to quit playing games. You got to quit quit complaining to God about your current present situation. And then when God gives you a miracle, you're sitting there and doubt rises up in your heart. When he answered the prayer you've been praying for, accept it, go brother, it's time to do it. And the reason that the devil's whispering to you is because he knows the same promise that came to Abraham is the same promise that he's given to you. That everywhere you step, you're going to be blessed. Everybody's hand you shake, is going to be blessed. Every job promotion you get, it's going to be blessed. Just trust me, I've got you. Oh, sing it, brother. Hallelujah. Oh, waymaker.
today, if you're having to make a decision, today I want you to hear me very well. I'm going to let him sing this course again. If you feel like you want to pray, the altar is always open. If you need to talk to Jesus today, I don't want to stand in between you and what you got to talk to him about. So these altars are open. Anyone that wants to come, feel free at this time. If not, we're going to sing this verse, a few, of course, a few more times, Brian, and then we're going to close today. Let's do it, guys. Let's sing it. Oh, sing it with them. Oh, you're my way maker. Oh, my way maker. That's right. Come on to the altar. Come on. Come on, children of God. Give it to God. Give it to God today. Give it to God today. Give it to God today. He's got it. He's got it. He knows what you need. He knows where you are. He knows the decision. Make it. Believe him. Trust him. He's got it. He's got it in Jesus' name.
Sunday we will be meeting in the gym it is going to be our Christmas play we do it every year they do a great job we enjoy giving them a Sunday a matter of fact one of the biggest Sundays that we've had since I've been here was a Christmas play and um, so everybody loves and enjoys the kids invite your family your friends we're going to be set up out there we'll have a coffee bar we'll have hot chocolate apple cider all right and that's it right Oh, I was about to say, if we got any more menu than that, my goodness, I'm going to have to get some volunteers real quick. But anyhow, so please be here for that. And um, thank you guys for your giving. Uh, Jennifer's been able to purchase everything online. I think her and her mother are going to go today. We've got a few more bikes to buy for the kids. We had like a $2,500 goal. Um, I'm not sure, Sandra, where we are, but I do know that I know we've raised over. How much? All right, and we've got another 200. All right, amen. And we've got another 200 coming. Somebody told me they just dropped it in today, so that's 2235. So we're right there at our target. It's fine. We got a missions fund. If we have to take two or 300 out of that, that that's wonderful. But you help make everything else possible. So give yourself a round of applause for that. Thank you for your giving. These families are going to be blessed because of you. We've got two families, got everything that they wanted, probably, and a little more. And so we're really excited about about that. That's what Christmas is all about, man. It's about giving. It's more blessed to give than to receive. I get so much more out of giving to other people than I do receiving gifts because that's that's it's just a it's just a biblical foundation. And I, and when you give, guess who gives back to you? He does. He does. Sometimes he does it in our health. Sometimes he does it financially. Sometimes he does it in ways that we probably won't even never know. But he's blessing us and watching out for us. And so we praise God for that today. Is there anything else I need to announce? It didn't come through on my phone. The Widow's Ministry. All right, it's going to be Tuesday at, at 12 o'clock. And it's going to be the Christmas. And um, 
I'm excited about that. We actually are going to be sharing a gift 